Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Honestly, I'm just progressing every single day. I'm feeling a lot better. And uh, really, I'm just really excited to get out there with my teammates. And, you know, we've prepared really well this week so far. The question remains, how much will Cade McNamara be out there with his teammates this Saturday? Welcome to a new season of Eye on the Hawks. This year, we're going to have a rotating series of different guests each week. But to start the season off, couldn't think of anybody better to start with than the man you just saw in some of that video behind <laughs> Cade McNamara. man who's got his own ray gun t-shirt, David Eichel, Hawkeye Insider for 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. Knower of all things Hawkeyes, David, appreciate you joining us for this uh, first very, week very of the happy, season. Very happy to be here. Yeah, very big scuffle yesterday for Cade McNamara. <laughs> I don't think he got two steps outside the door before. Everyone just sort of mobbed in there. He saw me a little bit in the background. I'm like, I'm not going to get video. I'm just going to try to get any just sort of audio. Throw and that phone. I got, in there. I got the height at least, yeah. so I can reach over. It's all good. Well, David, recently you made a comment to me that you kind of feel like this year's team maybe has a little bit more personality or maybe yeah. more more characters kind of on the roster than years past. Can you, is, am I explaining that right? I think so, but I'd also say they just have a lot of cautious optimism. I really feel like the team's very confident heading into this season, and I do think that Kane McNamara is a big reason for that. I mean, this is a guy that has come in, done all the things right. Keep in mind, he's only been here since January, and he's been voted a team captain. Mm -hmm. I think that just shows how much respect he's earned from the teammates, from the coaches, and quite honestly, from the fans. I feel like he's really kind of reignited the fan base over the past couple of months. That's right, Dave. Well, we're still waiting to find out what might happen with Kate on Saturday, if we're going to see him or how much we're going to see him. Here's Kirk Ferentz this week talking about how he's approaching Kate's status for this weekend. He's been practicing. I can't, I can't put a percentage on where he's at right now. Uh, he's been cleared medically. That's the good news. Uh, then the thing we have to judge as we go along is how effective can he be and you know, can he go out and perform uh, in a way that's representative of the kind of player he is. So uh, look good in practice today. Well, it's kind of day by day. We'll see how sore he is tomorrow and see how he's feeling. And uh, you know, obviously, we'd love to have him out there, but we also want to make sure he can perform at a high level. Well, David, we talked about the guy all offseason after the transfer to Iowa. Now the injury comes up. And at mm -hmm. this point, he's listed as a starter on Saturday. How much do you think that we're going to actually see Cade play this Saturday? I do think we are going to see Cade play. I mean, I think it's a big deal that he's been cleared medically as of Tuesday. And he's been practicing, I believe, since Saturday is when he came back. Iowa football put out that cryptic picture of <laughs> him in pads inside yeah. Kinnick Stadium. But keep in mind, I do think that he really does have to play because this is a guy that really has not played meaningful snaps since the college football playoff. I mean, he's a proven winner. He has a ton of college football experience, but he needs that in-game rep with his new team. Yes, he has chemistry with Eric All, et cetera, but I do think, ideally, he goes out there, Iowa scores four touchdowns in the first half, bench him, put in Deacon Hill as the backup for the rest of the game. And you alluded to it a little bit yesterday and, and in the show as well. I mean, how big it is that he is a, uh, a captain on Saturday, mm -hmm. just because we haven't seen an Iowa quarterback be a captain of the team in a few years. Yeah, and again, I also can't remember the last time an injured player or a guy that has not played has <laughs> been true. a team captain. Yeah. So I do think that, may, again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I have my tinfoil hat. <laughs> Insert the gif of just the conspiracy theory. Uh, but I do think we are going to see Not Quite honestly, I do think just from morale of the team and the fan base to really kind of get reignited into the season, I think it is important that Kate trots out there and leads the team out on Saturday. And I think we are going to see that. Right. Well, a major factor in how much we do see K will be how well this offensive line plays this season. A group that brings back some size and experience. Mitch Fick brings us more on a group with lots of weight on their shoulders this fall. 
All the talk in the offseason in Iowa City was about the quarterback, the wide receivers, but it's a Kirk Ferentz team still for the Hawkeyes. The O-line will be paramount to success in 2023, a year more experience for a young group in 2022, a couple of key transfers that have a ton of collegiate experience, and you've got a group that's playing with a purpose as they head into Utah State. You know, there's a certain way we wanted to go about our business, and I think we, that started way back in January. It started right after that bowl game. Um, and the way we came back this offseason just worked each and every day and competed against each other. That was the most important thing for us. And just each and every day, all of us going out there, just having a purpose. I think that's the most important thing. I think there were sometimes last year we might have gone out there and just gone through the motions. But, you know, our coaching staff and some of our leaders have really emphasized going out there with some purpose and motivation. You know, last year we didn't have the, I guess you could say, depth uh, at a whole lot of positions or trust in these guys. But I really feel like you can, put, you can plug any one of our backups in and they, they could start a football game too. You know, there's a lot of trust in every one of these dudes to go out there and get the job done. They understand what they need to do and understand what they can't do at the same time, you know? They understand what is pass pro, they can't get beat inside and things like that. So, I mean, you, like like I said, you can put anybody in there, they're gonna get the job done. Uh, yeah, they pulled Linderbaum out of the equation the last two years. We haven't had a lot of experience up there where you think about a guy like Colby had whatever, 11 starts going into last year, but there was a true freshman where he was just trying to survive, you know, in all fairness to him. So. You know, it's just a whole night and day situation right now. We got a lot more experience and, um, you know, a little bit more maturity. And an opportunity to show some toughness in the trenches right away against Utah State. The Aggies ranked 113th in the country in 2022 in stopping the run. A chance for those hog mollies for the Hawkeyes to push their weight around a little bit and make a statement to start the season. In Iowa City, Mitch Fick, Eye on the Hawks. Well, David, the projected starting five, according to the depth chart, they all started in that Music City Bowl in December. More depth this year on the line. That's going to be a huge leap forward compared to where they were a year ago. Uh, how do you feel like this team is going to improve? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's see it to believe it at this point when it comes to the offense. But I do think that Kirk knows offensive line play, mm -hmm. and he's been very adamant about the maturity and the experience factor. And I think Logan Jones, just talking behind the scenes, talking to him, he just comes across as a lot more confident than last season. I think that goes a long way. I think there were unrealistic expectations when he took over for Tyler Linderbaum, who might have been the best center in Big Ten history yep. had he come back for another season it's true. to rival Dave Remington. Uh, but Jang's dunker, I think we need to see some more tackle stability. I think moving Connor Colby back to right guard, where he started 11 games as a true freshman, I think that's going to be a benefit. And just settling him in there, then you have Rusty Feth, the transfer from Miami, Ohio, and John Parker, who we haven't really been able to see, right. despite him being here since spring, but they're high on him. And again, I do think the maturity and the experience factor, and I think the thing that they need to get back to is just a high floor. Mm -hmm. Just get back to consistent Iowa football. And if they lay that foundation, I really think we'll be able to see what Brian Ferentz's actual scheme is. Because I don't even think we've been able to see a scheme <laughs> over the past couple of seasons because of the way the offensive line is played. Yeah, and if you were to, to pick one person on the offensive line that you think could be a star on the unit this year, one guy who will be the guy, who do you think that's going to be? I'm going to go back to Logan Jones. Really? I, I'm very, very confident in him. He's always had the size, the strength, the athleticism, but now he has the knowledge and the football acumen. I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy that came to Iowa as a defensive tackle. He flips the mm. offensive line. He wore the same number as Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah. They're both in-state stars. Right. I mean, the comparisons were out of this world, and the similarities were out of this world. So, again, I think people finally realized what Iowa lost with Tyler Linderbaum, but I think Logan Jones has all the potential in the world 
Tui Merge is one of the best centers in the Big Ten. I, I have full confidence in him. Yep. All right. Well, last year, the depth of wide receiver, that was lacking. We've got some more depth at that position this fall. Nico Ragaini and Deontay Vines listed as the starters. Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson are the big-name transfers. Here's Kirk talking about some of the guys that they're going to have lining up at wideout this fall. You got a healthy Nico Ragaini. You got a healthy Deontay Vines. Start with those two guys. Uh, two pleasant surprises from the month of August are Seth Anderson, who we – Thought we liked, and, and he's had a really good August, and uh, boy, he's a very impressive young guy. And, and then Caleb, the same way. Both those guys have the potential to really improve and climb if they keep practicing like they have. An experienced group with loads of potential. David, let's start with a prediction out of the receiving core. Who is going to lead that I receiving group this year? I think Nico's the safe pick. Hmm. And I'm going to stick with that. Okay. I thought about going to Seth Anderson. I was really impressed with Seth in the fall open scrimmage because keep in mind, Iowa didn't really know what they had in Seth because he missed most of uh, spring practice when he got here. And I, I picked him as the star of the fall open scrimmage as well. Deontay Vines, I really think him being healthy is the big key for him. I think Caleb Brown's a year away. I'm very, very high on yeah. his potential. I think he's the most talented wide receiver that Iowa has maybe ever had just from a raw potential standpoint some of the quickest feed I've seen Iowa receiver have he's playing outside despite being 5'10 I think we're gonna see him come alive in the second half of the season so among the wide receivers at least I may go with Nico because I think he's gonna emerge as kind of that safety net for yeah. Kane McNamara and Kirk has alluded to that too where Caleb he's great he's got a lot of talent but he is still young and experienced well our Eye on the Hawks podcast host Mitch Fick looked up a couple of stats this week in the Kirk Ferentz era Iowa has never had an opening drive passing touchdown in a season opener also Iowa's only had four passing touchdowns in the first quarter of a season opener wild stat does Iowa make that happen this coming Saturday Look, I'm a fan of hot takes. You know that. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far that they're going to make a passing touchdown on the opening drive. I do think they will score in the first quarter. Okay. And I will give them a passing touchdown because, again, I think the biggest thing that Iowa needs to do is get the wide receivers going because mm -hmm. teams are going to continue to stack the box until Iowa beats them on the perimeter. And this is the first time, at least I can remember, that the wide receiver depth chart is full of scholarship guys. We're yeah. not talking about walk-on guys. That's been a huge issue I think over the past couple of seasons. Uh, so I'm going to say an Iowa wide receiver scores a touchdown in the first quarter. And I think among those stats, Mitch said as well, only one of those went to a wide receiver. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yep. A, a wild stat and also just the fact that this year compared to the last few seasons, the amount of receiving talent and tight end talent that they have on this yeah. year, I mean, feels different than the last few seasons. No, absolutely. I think you look at Luke Lachey and Eric All, and I've been kind of on the record about this. I really do think that they can rival TJ Hawkins and Noah Fant numbers. Hmm. Eric All, this is a guy that would be playing on Sundays yeah. right now uh, if he hadn't hurt his back. And he claims to be 100%. I think that's a big deal. And Luke Lachey, I really think, is being undervalued from a national perspective. We saw what he could do last year. He led Iowa in receiving touchdowns, just narrowly passing Cooper DeGene <laughs> uh, for most receiving <laughs> touchdowns on the team, yeah. uh, thanks to that bowl game. But Luke Lachey is another guy I think is just poised for a huge, huge season. Kane McNamara has the weapons. Brian Ferentz has the weapons, and I do think there needs to be a lot of pressure on this Iowa offense to perform. Nobody wins a, a championship in, in August, so I think coming in here every single day and trying just to, to get better every single day and work on ourselves and focus on each week individually um, is, is the only thing we can do. 
With one of the statistically worst offenses in the country, the defense led the Hawks to 18 wins in the past two seasons. They've had 40 interceptions total the last two years, and in 2022, led the nation with six defensive touchdowns. Even though that kind of production is going to be hard to repeat for a third year, the defense feels like it has the talent to hold that standard. Just going out and, and doing our job and, and dominating you know, every, every single week. Um, and if, if we don't do that, we feel like we, we haven't done our job. Um, so I'd, I'd say just dominating week in and week out, um, no matter who the opponent is, who, who's on the field. Um, the ones are out there, the twos are out there, whoever, just, just dominating our, our opponent every snap. There it is. David Eichel still with us and I on the Hawks. David, has anything given you reason to believe that this year's defense won't be as outstanding as they've been under Phil Parker? That's the thing. I don't want to bet against Phil Parker. I think he's kind of earned the benefit of the doubt, right? But people need to realize, no matter how bad that offense was last year, the defense was all-time great. I mean, it was one of the best defenses statistically in the past 15, 20 years. I mean, what they did is unprecedented. And Iowa loses Kayvon Merriweather, who's a first-team All-American safety. They lose Riley Moss. They lose Jack Campbell, who I would argue is the best linebacker in the Kirk Ferentz era, maybe in school history. I think sure. there's a case for it. But getting Nick Jackson from Virginia is such a big, big addition. I mean, 352 yeah. career tackles, a guy that can very, do very well in coverage and provide a lot of different things. Xavier Wampa, who I think is the most physically gifted defensive back that Phil Parker's had. Cooper DeGene, likely a first-round pick. So I don't want to say they can repeat last year, but I also think that it's unfair to bet against Phil Parker. I think it's still going to be a top five and at worst top eight defense in the country. Wow. Okay. I mean, the, t the talent and the names are there with so much talent on the roster. What do you think is the biggest question mark for the defense this year? I, I will say, I think it's either the third cornerback and okay. I think it's the linebackers. I think Jay Higgins can be outstanding. I think Nick Jackson is outstanding, but we're talking about a team that lost Justin Jacobs. They lost Seth Benson, who I think was one of the more underappreciated Iowa players in the last few years. And they lose Jack Campbell. The good news for Iowa in this instance is the starters over the last couple of years did not play in spring ball. So the backups have been getting those reps at the one. And I do think that that's going to go a long way. But losing that kind of production, I just need to go out there and I need to be able to see it with my own eyes that they can at least get back to or play somewhat near the level that they did last season. Sure thing. Well, there have been some updates this week in the gambling investigation into Iowa uh, Hawkeye Athletics. Jack Johnson and Aaron Blom, two players that bet on Hawkeye football games while they were on the team, no longer on the team. Defensive lineman Noah Shannon is still on the roster, but is suspended for the entire season. He's appealing that decision, but he's still one of 15 players listed on the 2023 Player Council. And Coach Ferentz still seems to question the wisdom of suspending a player like Noah for the entire season. Nobody's in denial of what the facts are. It's just, I think the issue in my mind is just as the punishment fit, uh, what the violation was. Uh, no, nobody's you know, denying there was a violation. That's not the issue. But the issue is what's a just punishment. And I think, I think that's a really valid thing to think about and just give consider. It just seems like there's a common sense element that's missing right here. Now, David, if that appeal process fails and the Hawkeyes are without Noah Shannon for this entire season, how much is that going to affect their overall defensive, abil defensive ability this year? I will say also, this isn't just a season-ending thing for Noah Shannon. It ends his career, and I think that's a big, big deal when you're looking at that situation because I also think that impacts his professional potential. But in terms of just Iowa and what they're losing, I think they lose a guy who players respect. I think he's... Kirk's gone out of his way to really defend him. His teammates have, and being chosen a leadership council is a big deal. 
But Aaron Graves, man, I'm telling you, I am such a big fan of that kid. <laughs> Six foot, five and a half, 295 pounds. He's built like a Greek god. I mean, he is pound for pound <laughs> one of the strongest kids I've seen come through Iowa. YA Black, if he stays healthy, I think he could emerge as a potential pro prospect. And I've said it too. I think Iowa's defensive line, it might be one of Kirk Ferentz's deepest in his tenure. Mm-hmm. I think they can go a legitimate nine to 10 deep. So while it's unfortunate if they lose Noah for the entire season, I think they have the means to kind of replicate the production he would bring. And every chance Kirk has gotten, he has really tried to stand up for Noah. Seems like that guy just has really high character and Kirk really seems to like him. Uh, You mentioned Aaron Graves. Could he kind of be the next Lucas Van Ness? I mean, that's a little bit, when you say Greek God, I'm thinking of Hercules, I guess, but (laughs) is he kind of that next guy? I think so, and I love how you brought up Lucas Van Ness because keep in mind, Aaron Graves cannot go professional after the season, so he has to say one (laughs) more year. But the Lucas Van Ness comparison is he might not start a game at Iowa this season, I could see him making an All-Big Ten team. Wow. I mean, this is a guy who only played a little over 200 snaps last season, and he had multiple sacks, big disruptor, balled out in the fall-open scrimmage. And again, I didn't think he could put on any more weight after last offseason, <laughs> and he comes back, oh, yeah, I put on 20 pounds. It's, it's unbelievable, uh, just his size, his physicality. And Kirk Ferentz has also said he's one of the most intense practice guys that he's ever seen, especially being that young. He practices like a fifth or 60-year guy. And our favorite stat about Aaron Graves, the fact that he had a college diploma before he <laughs> had his high school diploma. A really amazing kid. He is. And oh. he's going to be he's gonna be really, really good. And I think fans should be excited. And also, he kind of gave a foreshadow from last season. Remember, he came in in that Nevada game. He recorded his first college sack on Sunday. I think that's going to be a shadow of the time that he's going to be <laughs> recording a lot of sacks on okay. Sunday in the future. Man, I didn't realize that. Okay. Saturday, Iowa welcomes Utah State to Kinnick Stadium for only the third time ever, the first meeting since 2002. Curtis Fader breaks down what to watch for when the Aggies take the field on Saturday. Just like last year, the Hawkeyes opened the season against an opponent from the Mountain West Conference. Fans, of course, are hoping for better than a 7-3 victory from the Hawks, but Utah State is definitely a vulnerable opponent. The team went 6-6 in the regular season last year. And if there was any litmus test to see what Iowa's offense looks like, it would be now against an Aggies defense ranked 106th in team defense, allowing over 31 points per game in 2022. This level of competition may also weigh on if it's even worth it to play Cade McNamara, but head coach Kirk Ferentz still has a deep respect for this team and its coach. If you look at what he did uh, going to Utah State, they were coming off a one and five season in the pandemic year, and uh, he led uh, he and his staff led the team to 11 wins uh, two years ago, and then came back six and six. So he's he's had success everywhere he's gone. Uh, it's a unique situation, you know. It's always unique in first games because the new players, you know, are not quite sure about the roster and all that type of thing. In terms of what Utah State brings to the table this year. The U and its logo should stand for unknown. Only nine stars returning combined on offense and defense, with the team's latest depth chart still undecided on who should play in many positions. As far as who we know will be playing on Saturday, you might recognize the QB under center. Cooper Lega went viral at the end of 2021 for stepping in as a third stringer and throwing a 62-yard TD pass in the L.A. Bowl. That Cinderella story turned into a pumpkin real quick for him in 2022 when he threw for under 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 10 picks after starting in week five. Now, for the danger person that Hawkeye fans needs to worry about, it is going to be slot receiver Terrell Vaughn. He's on the Paul Hornung watch list, awarded to the most versatile player in college football. 
He logged 624 yards and five touchdowns last year. But with the Aggies' top receiver no longer at the program, I'd expect those stats to boost nicely for him in 2023. With all that being said, Utah State have several question marks on offense with a new starting running back, debates on who will line up alongside Vaughn at right receiver, and who will fill in on the offensive line. Saturday's contest might provide players on the elite Hawkeye defense a chance to make some plays, pad some stats, and dazzle the fans at a sold-out Kinnick Stadium. All right, Hawkeye Insider for 24-7 Sports. David Eichholz still with us, Utah State. Hawkeye fans have nothing to worry about to this week except to what to bring to the tailgate. Is that about right, David? Yeah, and, you know, I think the reality, too, is, though, and this Iowa team, look, they might want to respect the opponent. Luckily, we're in a position where, you know, I don't really have to. The reality <laughs> is Iowa should be able to go out on Melrose for a couple hours and then get in the locker room and then go out there and take care of business. I mean, this Utah State team is super unknown. Um, and, again, I think Iowa just really should be able to win in the trenches. And this is a game where Caleb Johnson should be getting 25, 30 carries, mm -hmm. go for 150 yards, a couple touchdowns. And Cade McNamara, assuming he plays, uh -huh. goes out there and throws a couple touchdowns, put him on the bench, and then Iowa <laughs> fans can just go back in line for another swarm of golden ale. Enjoy. Maybe see a little bit of future in Deacon Hill out there. Well, assuming that this is not a challenging game, what do you want to see out of the Hawkeyes this weekend? I just, I'd like to see them go deep a couple times. I'd like to see them just kind of expand their scheme. I'd like to see them get their new playmakers involved, get Caleb Brown maybe on a reverse. I think he's kind of built for that sort of hybrid role. I think he's the most versatile player on Iowa's offense, even though he just got to campus in June, right? I think just getting able to get back to old Iowa offense, set up the run, utilize the play action, go deep a couple times, because I do think we have not seen this Iowa team run what Kirk Ferentz used to for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, the play action. We saw it against Penn State. That led to a deep touchdown. We've seen it over the years, I believe, in the 2015 Big Ten Championship, C.J. Beathard, to start the fourth quarter. Iowa just has not run a good play action in a long, long time. I'd like to see them get back to that Iowa offense. We're back on Eye on the Hawks. David Eichold is our guest host this week. You can catch him at 24-7 Sports and the Swarmcast. Anywhere else people should be watching for you, David? Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, whatever you ba call basically it. Basically everywhere. I, you know, I, I've been grateful to kind of have different opportunities in the state. So, you know, again, like being here, huge honor being the first guest host here. And sure. uh, no, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports. Yep. You're, key, you're a key insider. I mean, you know more than more about Hawkeye football than about 99.9% .9 of the state. <laughs> Kirk Ferentz might be the only guy I'm leaving out of that list. Well, David, let's pick some winners for week one. Got five games. First one airs on Fox 28. It's big noon kickoff. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. And the Buffs travel to TCU, coming off a national championship game appearance. The Frogs, 25.5-point favorites. Who you got in this one? Prime time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Colorado, <laughs> I do think they are going to be a little bit better than people anticipate them. Mm -hmm. But TCU, I still think they're very high on their quarterback. I, I got TCU basically running away with this one. Uh, they're, the Vegas odds, I think, say that Colorado is going to win less than three games this year. I don't see any way that that's a possibility. Um, TCU, they're losing in Iowa and Max Duggan, but uh, I have to think with the pedigree they've got there and the guys they have coming back, I'm going with TCU as well. Uh, next one is on Sunday, maybe the biggest matchup of the weekend, fifth-ranked LSU taking on number eight Florida State. Seminoles are two-and-a-half-point dogs in Orlando. What do you think? Yeah, this is going to be a really, really fun game. LSU has national championship aspirations. Florida State, I think they're kind of getting back to where they were a decade ago. I'm going to go with Florida State. I really mm -hmm. do think that their quarterback play is going to be a little bit better than LSU. I think Florida State's a little bit better put together for the style of game this might be. So 
I'm going to go with the Seminoles. As good as Florida State's been, seems like they start a little bit slow out of the gate each season. So um, what the heck, I think I'm going to pick LSU in this game. Uh, moving on to the, to, uh, the Hawkeyes. They're going to play Penn State to kick off Big Ten play in week four. The Nittany Lions hosting West Virginia in week one. Penn State, 20 and a half point favorites in this game. David? Yeah, I'm going to go with Penn State. I, I think Drew Allard, they've been very high on him as a quarterback. He's only thrown two interceptions during fall camp, mm -hmm. apparently. Read that earlier today. I think it's James Franklin's best roster he's put together right now hmm. uh, in his tenure. And I do think that they could scare Ohio State and Michigan this season. So I'm going to go with Penn State. I applaud Penn State and West Virginia for scheduling a tough opponent week one. Love to see these big matchups in week one, but have to go with Penn State. They're going to be potentially a CFP uh, contender this year. Uh, fourth game, you and I. Careful what you say here, David. This is my alma mater. The Panthers <laughs> heading over to Ames. Never a walk in the park for the Cyclones against the Panthers. You and I, 23 and a half point underdogs. What do you think, David? That is a crazy spread. I can't believe it. We don't know that much about Iowa State. Now, you'll be shocked to know, Owen, I don't have a lot of friends in central <laughs> Iowa based on some of my analysis in the past. I'm going to go with you and I. Yeah. I really think they pull off the upset. I don't think Matt Campbell's team is going to be ready with all the question marks on offense. Mm -hmm. Theo Day is him. He's yep. a very, very talented quarterback, and uh, I'm going to go you and I with the upset. If we were picking this game three months ago, I'd for sure go Iowa State with the amount of talent with Hunter Decker's Gyro Brock coming back, but that is not going to be the case on the Iowa State roster this year. You and I have so much talent returning. Uh, they're three and six over the last nine games against Iowa State, and three of those six losses that you and I have had have been by one possession. I mean, they just always play tough when they head over to there, there to Ames. With the amount of guys they have coming back, I'm picking you and I in this game as well. Love it. Let's go, Cats. Now, finally, the Hawkeyes, Iowa, 25-and-a-half-point favorites. Do the Hawkeyes win, and do they cover, maybe more importantly? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Iowa covers. I mean, I, I don't see Utah State being able to score more than if they even score one touchdown. Phil Parker's defense has shown up really, really well in the season openers. I don't think this is a scare. I don't think it matters if Deacon Hill or Caden McNamara line up the quarterback. Give the ball to Caleb Johnson. Let the offensive line eat. I got Iowa winning by 35. Or Joe Labus or Marco Linez, possibly. Let's see. Maybe we'll, we can see them all in week one. Well, that does it for week one of Eye on the Hawks. Every week we're going to be doing a live stream on YouTube reacting to the Iowa game. This week we're aiming to start at noon on Sunday. You can follow along at Iowa's News Now on YouTube. We'll send out the link from our Eye on the Hawks Twitter account. David, thank you again for your time today. Appreciate you joining us hey, for this I first show of the season. Thank all you right. so much. Thanks a lot. We'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for joining us for our first Eye on the Hawks of the season. We'll see you again next week.